Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Bedford's cost segregation specializes in generating significant tax savings via their engineering-based studies for commercial real estate clients nationwide. Founded in 2002, Bedford is one of the largest independently owned cost segregation providers in the country with over 14,000 studies completed to date in multiple offices throughout. The most important decision ownership can make when incorporating cost segregation within their real estate portfolio is selecting the right provider. With only 43 certified cost segregation professionals nationwide, Bedford is proud to employ eight of them and takes the quality of their people as seriously as their studies. Every certified cost segregation professional has passed a rigorous test combining knowledge of technical engineering issues, legal tax issues, ethics standards, and requires a strict level of prior work experience to be eligible. Bottom line, not all cost segregation providers are created equal. So be sure to take the decision seriously from the beginning to protect yourself for years to come. Please contact Bedford's Business Development Director, Frank Judici, to learn more. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest owns over $130 million of real estate and is crushing it in the syndication business. And his name is Danny Rendazio. Thanks for being on the show, Danny. Whitney, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I get this question a lot about like, you know, people say, well, that are just learning about syndication, like structuring a deal. What does that mean? What does that look like? Somebody's talking about structuring a deal. What are they talking about, Danny? And, you know, just explain that a little bit. And then let's get into a little bit maybe about a recent deal that you all worked on and how it was structured and why. Yeah. So from a structure perspective, I would say there's a few things that you need to get right from a structuring perspective. The number one is the loan or the debt structure that you're going to use. So you need to find a couple of lenders to quote debt options for the deal. They're going to be your largest partner. So they have a material impact to the success or detriment to your project. So find a good lender to work with. The other piece inside of that lender kind of debt area that you need to resolve is do you have any experience owning multifamily properties? Most lenders will require a certain resume, meaning you have experience for them to feel comfortable giving you a multi-million dollar loan for a 150 unit apartment community. And rightfully so. Right. (laughs) So if you don't have any experience, you need to bring on a loan guarantor or a key principal as part of your general partnership team. And this is where the structure comes in to help you with that area. So item one is your loan and debt configuration. And can you do that yourself? Or do you need to bring in a loan guarantor or a key principal 
to help with the experience and the net worth and liquidity to qualify for the loan. So we've got the first one figured out, the loan piece. The second piece to it is your equity portion. So now that your large debt partner is resolved, the second item is your equity portion. And equity portion is your investors. So either you are going to pay for the remaining equity out of your own pocket, or you're going to syndicate it in which we're listening to the syndication show. So I'm expecting you've got high net worth investors or friends and family that are ready and willing and able to invest in your deal. Thus, they would come in on the equity side of things. Now, if you've never raised for a syndication deal before, raising money is a lot harder than you may think. So you may want to bring in a couple of partners to help raise money who have done it before. And for that, they would become part of the general partnership structure as well. And so now you've got your second component, your equity portion of your general partnership structure. The third portion is really the kind of ongoing and day-to-day asset manager who oversees the deal and ensures that the business plan and that property value-add strategy is being carried out. And you work with the management company on a regular basis to ensure that numbers are being hit and the property is moving in the right direction. The fourth component would be, I'm just going to say other, for anyone else that falls into that other GP part of the team. So maybe you work with a partner today and you guys and gals run your opportunities as a team. And so they would fit into that general partnership structure as well. Um, Maybe you need an expert to come into that other category who knows the ins and outs of multifamily value-add strategy if you're doing a deep unit renovation. And what I mean by deep unit renovation is it's more than just kind of like floor paint and appliances, but maybe you're doing major construction and you need a general contractor or a construction expert to fill that knowledge void to make sure you're getting the best pricing and everything's being carried out accurately. So to recap, kind of four areas that you need to figure out for your GP structure. Number one is your loan structure. Number two is your equity structure. Number three is your asset management. And number four is kind of your other general bucket. No, I like that. Thank you for laying that out. So yeah, a lot of people ask about, you know, what does that mean, you know, when they're getting started? Because you hear that term a lot, structuring, you know, of the deal. And I appreciate you laying out those things that we have to have or that we need in place. You know, most people don't think about the loan structure or what that looks like or creating that relationship, you know, with that bank or that however you're finding your debt, you know, you got to find it, right? (laughs) You know, so it's so important. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of people, it's a misconception like that you can just go out and syndicate a deal. It takes a lot of work to do it at a high level where you're buying 150 unit, you know, a $10 million plus deal. You just need to go through the steps and get there. And so if you're new and you want to do really large apartment deals, I think the best way to start out is to invest as a limited partner to learn the ins and outs, gain some of that resume building experience to say that you're an owner of a property, 
yes, you have experience owning multifamily. And then that kind of builds the story that you can work with the lenders on to kind of qualify for the deals and and know the ins and outs of investor relations and everything it takes to be a professional and at the very top of the syndication game. Our guest is Jeff Greenberg. Thanks for being on the show again, Jeff. Well, thank you, Whitney. I'm happy to be here. I'd like to know your opinion and just your take on some deal structure, how you've structured deals, and maybe let's talk about you know why you know you structure them one way or the other, and maybe you could give us an example of a deal, and then let's dive into you know exactly how it was structured and why. The main concern that people should think about is on the deal structure is that both sides are going to be benefiting from it. The passive investor coming in typically is looking and looking at it as far as if, is it fair to them? But I feel it's extremely important that they also look to make sure that the sponsor is going to be making some money as well if they're doing a good job. When we look at a structure, we want the investor to be protected on the downside if the numbers don't come in. And the sponsor should be protected also on the upside that they gain benefits from great performance. So typically when we're setting up a deal, we try to see what is going to be of interest to the investor, but also is going to protect both sides and also get us some cash flow if if we're doing the job that we projected that we would do. And that's important. A lot of people want to look at what it is that is in it for themselves. But when you're getting in on with a new sponsor and there's not going to be any cash flow for the sponsor or there's not going to be much in it for the sponsor. All of a sudden, the sponsor's got a problem that, you know, they need to keep the lights on and if there's not money coming in. So we look at a deal when we're even looking at making an offer on the deal. We're looking at, okay, what can we offer the investors and what kind of structure is going to allow that? And the preferred return is typically the main thing that, will make sure that the investors are comfortable, that they'll get a return prior to the sponsor getting any money. Well, let me go over a few of the pieces where a sponsor makes their money. And typically, the sponsor will get an acquisition fee. Now, that acquisition fee is for all the effort that the sponsor put into getting, well, first of all, getting themselves educated, learning, Uh, about this business, also finding the deal, getting the deal together, and bringing the investors in. And so that's an initial fee that they get. And that could be anywhere from 1% to even 5%, say on a smaller deal, of the purchase price. And that they get typically up front at the closing. The next one they would get is a percentage of the cash flow. Now, typically, that percentage is going to be after a preferred return. Preferred return essentially is a return on the investor's investment. So if you were to get a, say, an 8% preferred return, you would get that prior to the syndicator receiving any funds or any cash flow. Now, the preferred return isn't guaranteed, and it's handled in many different ways. But we'll come back to that because uh, it's going to get a little complicated, and I'll explain that. So after the preferred return, the investor would start getting their 
shares of the distribution. Then the third one, typically, is the profit at sale. And that profit at sale comes after the investors get all of their investment back, and then the profit is split. And that split could be anywhere from 80 to the investors, 20 to the sponsor. It could be a 70, 30 to the investors, excuse me, 70 to the investors, 30 to the sponsor. It could be, you know, 60, 60, 40. The only time I've seen it at typically at 50, 50 is in development deals where there's a lot more work involved for the sponsor. Those may be 50, 50. Okay, so that's typically your split at the end. Oh, with the one other fee, which really is an ongoing fee, uh, would be the asset management fee. And that could be typically anywhere from 1% to 3% of the revenue goes to the person that basically is on the sponsor's team, but is the middleman between the property manager and the team, the sponsor's team. So you've got that person that is working for the next five to 10 years as that intermediary and working with the property management. Some of the newer people come in and think, okay, I'm going to hire a professional property management and then I can go back to sleep and do whatever. And that's very far from true. You need somebody on your team that is keeping an eye on the property manager meeting with the property manager. In the beginning, we meet weekly with the management team. And as time goes on and things are going well, you can spread that out maybe every other week, every three weeks. We were doing it, my Houston property. We moved to once a month. And then when we had nothing to talk about on once a month, we started you know, even doing that less. But initially, you're doing that. You're going to go over budget and all kinds of other things, how well things are performing. So... Those are the essential fees. But let's go back to the preferred return. There's some different ways that I've seen people do this as well. Yeah, and you know, and I want to hit that, but I wanted to go back. One thing you mentioned that I really like too, like the acquisition fee. And I hear, you know, people get pushed back about acquisition fees and things like that. And, you know, I would almost say, well, if the investor doesn't want you to make money, then, you know, maybe they need to find another deal, you know, to invest in. But what they don't see is that, like, all the work you've put in, not even on this deal, but all the deals you've turned away, you know, time and time and time and time again, making sure that you have the best deal you can have for them to invest in. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is, is basically the syndicator is bringing people together. And if you look at any other type of deal where somebody is acting in that capacity, where they're bringing people together, bringing a buyer and seller together, or just bringing you know some group together, some creating a company or whatever it happens to be, bringing in some synergy, they're going to get paid for that because that's a lot of work that they've done. It's a lot of time that they've spent and they need to be compensated for that. They need to keep the lights on and keep things going. So we don't want to be greedy when we're deciding what the percentage is. So if you look at it on a small deal, maybe it's going to be a 5%, but maybe on a bigger deal, it's going to be 1% or 2%. So that, that way, the, the sponsor is also compensated and can keep their, their business running. And that's important. And the thing is, is, a lot of times when we get into a deal, if we haven't done a full raise, 
that we have to continue the raise after the closing, we don't get that acquisition fee until the, all the money is in. And once the money's all in and everything's set up and things are rolling, then we can go ahead and take that fee. All right. So I appreciate you elaborating on that. Yeah. And, and please elaborate on the preferred return. Yeah. Now, on the preferred return, there's people that do it in all different fashions. Typically, the preferred return, and this is not a guaranteed return, the preferred return will be on the cash flow, available distributable cash will go to the investor until they received whatever that dollar amount or that percentage is. Say it's, say it's an 8% return. So say they invested $100,000. So once on an annual basis, the preferred return would give them $8,000 a year. Now, typically on your first year, you may not reach that. And here's where some of the differences come in. There are some sponsors that will carry that over to the next year. So say you only got $6,000. So you only got a 6% return. And now the next year comes around, that 8% picks up that two that you didn't get. And so now your preferred return for that year coming up is a 10%. Now, maybe they still only received a six. That could be continued to be carried forward until, until the end when finally the property is sold. Now, that could be a problem because if you notice, the sponsor isn't getting anything during this time. Now, they may be getting the money from the asset management fee. I know some people that have their own property management company, so they're getting money from there. But otherwise, if you see a deal where that's the proposal, the sponsor may not be getting any money during the hold, which is not a great thing. The next thing is, is okay, so say we do get that 8%. Say there's, instead of that $8,000, say just for example, so there's $10,000 that's available for distribution. Okay, you give out the $8,000, which is the preferred return. Now, I've seen some sponsors that will say, okay, that last $2,000 or that last 2%, we're going to do whatever the split is. Okay, say we were going to do a 70-30 split. So now we're going to take that 2% and do a 70-30 split on that. Well, that sponsor is not getting much money out of that either. So the 70 going to the investor and 30 going to the sponsor, that sponsor is not going to be able to you know, pay the bills with that limited amount of money. Some, what we do is we allow a catch-up. Okay, so if it was, say, let's just say an 80-20 split because that will make the numbers easy. So now the sponsor's gotten their 8%. They've gotten their $8,000 and there's 2,000 more. Well, we're going to take that as the sponsor because that's our catch-up. That's our 80-20 split. Okay, so the next year, say there's $12,000 to distribute. So that one, we're going to give the first 8% to the investor. We're going to get the next 2% or the next $2,000. That catches us up on that 80-20 split. And now we're going to do an 80-20 on whatever's left over because now we're on an even scale. Okay? So typically, we'll tell people that they're going to get the preferred return or they're going to get the split, whichever is higher. Okay? So if we just took that $12,000 and did a straight 80-20 split, they would get the same amount of money. They would get the more than the $8,000, whatever that comes out to. Okay. So it can be a little confusing. 
And there are some people that will take that accumulation of money that they didn't get from that preferred return and give that at the end. So I know this is a little confusing, but it's good to be clear what, you know, how that preferred return is going to be used. And if it's going to be accumulated all the way and held back at the end. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the, in the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.